And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Monday, July 3rd. I know many of you will not be listening to this for a while. Maybe you're taking some time off for long Independence Day week, weekend, whatever. We are still here ready to answer your financial questions. Don't forget that today the stock market is open until one o'clock, one fifteen for eligible options. I just thought I would say that because I'm on the New York Stock Exchange website. I think the bond market is often closed on these days because they're much more um, appreciative of our national holidays in the bond market than they are in the stock market. So if you want to make a trade, go crazy. Uh, I don't actually think that that's the best idea. If you do feel like you want to do something, how about doing this? Go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button and ask us a question about anything going on in your life, your financial life, any big decision going on. Don't forget to let us know if you want to join us to come on the air. And while you're on the website, you can see all the great content. There's a lot of free stuff. There's stuff that you can buy, like my book, The Great Money Reset, 10 Bold Steps to Turn Chaos into Opportunity. And you can check out our new service called Jill on Money Live. All right, Mark, I think we're going to do some uh, some emails today. This is from a Mark who writes, hi, Jill and Mark. I said Mark a lot of times. I listen to your podcast daily. The question I have is for my daughter, but as a father... I feel I face the same pressures, if not more, in her decision. Okay, I like that. Daughter is 26, makes $105,000 a year, no debt, $120,000 in savings, $30,000 in a 401k, and she contributes 10%. How about that? That's great. Daughter's fiance is 30, makes $120,000, 90 grand of student loan debt, of savings, $50,000 in a 401k also contributes 10%. He's going to need a new car in the next couple of years. They're planning on getting married next year and have begun house hunting. House hunting, oh, she's so young, 26 and 30. Here's the issue. With house prices and mortgage rates still high, I really feel they could regret their decision in the years ahead and wish that they have waited for the real estate market to improve. But 
It is hard to get them to understand this, and they are focused on buying this year. Listen to this, Mark. We live in Connecticut. The average price for a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house that is 1,600 square feet is 400 grand. That's the average price. So they'd have to put 80 down, get pre-approved for a mortgage at 6.5%. What can I tell them to do, or what do you suggest they do? I do not want to see them put so much into the house that they end up paying it off for the rest of their lives. They also love to travel and golf, and these are expensive things. Thanks for your advice. I want to get this daughter on the air right now. Why are they? I don't understand why people get so apoplectic about, oh my God, I've got to go buy a house right now. She's got 120 grand in savings. Is her intention to use some of that savings to help pay down his debt? I, I guess I'm not sure what they are thinking. Are they going to just, okay, we're putting our financial lives together? She puts down the 80 grand from her savings, but they still, now they have to make a mortgage payment, a student loan payment. Like this seems to me putting a lot of pressure on them prematurely. So here's what I would do. If I were, if I had your daughter and soon to be son-in-law on the line, I would say, I would first concentrate on paying down my student loan debt. That would be number one. You know, obviously she has this money that's in savings. He's, you know, together they have 170,000. So let's just say they pay down the debt. They've got savings now. They've got their six to 12 months. Now they have to go and rebuild the accounts so that they can get a mortgage. I would feel much better if they the, there was no student loan debt. They've got the new car and they own it outright, by the way, maybe, or with a very small loan. And then they rebuild and we see where the market is. I would delay by at least a couple of years. I think that's what I would do. What about you, Mark? I, I think I agree. I would like to get rid of the student loan debts before they make this purchase, but let's just pretend that they do that. I mean, these guys can definitely afford a $400,000 house. I don't think that's a problem. And I would not be scared off by the interest rate. I know it's high now, but there will be a time in the future to refinance. So that wouldn't scare me off. And they could also potentially get an adjustable rate and refi within the next, say, seven or 10 years, right? They could have a, a lower rate for seven or 10 years. To me, if I were their financial advisor, if I were like the CFP in their lives, I would feel much more comfortable getting rid of one debt, getting that car done, rebuilding and see where the market is. Nothing's going to happen that's so bad. What if the average price goes to 500000 but interest rates go down? I'm st they're still in a better financial situation, not being levered up so much. And maybe I also would want to know like what industries they're in and what risks they are to their earning potential and what potential uh, upside they have. So all of these play uh, a role. We're kind of in the market, but you know we're not in any rush, so we're just kind of looking. But as I, I see four hundred thousand dollars, and I, to me, I'm like, man, that's so cheap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it four hundred thousand. It could be a mansion someplace, could be cheap someplace else. But also, I mean, I think that I really believe that people rush into buying homes without really crunching the numbers. They'll say, oh well, I'm a pre-approved for blank. Yeah, okay, but it doesn't mean you should do that. You know. Jody wants to know, is there a net worth at which you would suggest purchasing umbrella insurance? 
I mean, I think an insurance, uh, umbrella insurance, which kind of covers you for all this other stuff, it's usually attached to a homeowner's policy. It's always a good idea to have a little extra in case, you know, for example, someone does work in your house. I don't know if there's a net worth as much as, you know, do you have some assets? Do you want a little layer of protection? Do you have some other business that could put you at risk? You know, umbrella insurance is really cheap. So generally speaking, I say go for it. It is cheap, but the one thing I think people don't understand sometimes is that you have to have really, really good baseline coverage on your homeowner policy and your auto policy. So if you're not at those baselines, you're going to have to increase that coverage and that will cause your premiums to go up. All right. There you go. Spoken like the uh, expert that he is. So again, this is extra protection beyond the existing limit of your um, homeowners and your auto policy. So if you don't, and if you don't know, you know, it's worth shopping around and just looking at your insurance coverage to see what is covered. So insurance, umbrella insurance is usually like injuries and property damage and some kinds of lawsuits. And so anyway, I think that's, uh, it's worth saying that we should have not so much of a a dollar amount, a net worth amount, but you should be clear that your underlying insurance, as Mark said, is up to snuff. And so it behooves you to go check out your homeowner's policy right now anyway, because you'd be surprised what is and is not covered. You know, I, I, I wrote this in my mid-year money blog that I posted last weekend. When you're already dealing with an event, a weather event or something, it's very tough to go pull the policy. But now if you pull the policy, you look at your homeowner's policy, it covers, you know, like you'll find, okay, most of these standard policies, they have structural and water damage, but only in limited circumstances. So like if a tree falls through your house you know, and all of a sudden rain is pouring down. Yes, it's covered. But most policies don't cover damages that result from rising water or flooding. So that's really important. And by the way, most renters still don't buy renter's insurance, which is cheap and dumb, you know, by the way, if you don't buy it, because it's very cheap and it's it's important. Uh, someone said, well, why do I need renter's insurance? I, I don't know. Someone's taking a bath upstairs in the apartment upstairs. There's a leak and it ruins your entire wardrobe. How about that? That caught someone's attention. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What else do we have here? This is from Dell. Subject, Roth conversions. I'm a 63-year-old man, retired, and I live in Northern Virginia. I have about $1.2 million in traditional IRAs, $175,000 in Roth accounts, and then in taxable accounts, $2 million. Hmm, Dell, you're looking like a very attractive guy. Uh, The $2 million is diversified stock investments, growth mutual funds, um, and he's got another $145,000 in inherited IRA accounts. He says, I meet my income needs with dividend income and occasional selling of taxable stock mutual funds. Okay. I'm thinking ahead to age 72, and that's when I'll be subject to required minimum distributions. His current taxable income is $110,000, and it w- um, he probably will not take Social Security until 70. Payment's going to be about $2,500 a month. No debt except a $315,000 mortgage on a $900,000 home. Here we go. Dell wants to convert maybe half of the traditional IRAs over the next 10 years before required minimum distributions. He says, I have taxable funds to pay the taxes. Does this seem reasonable? Roughly converting about 50 grand a year for the next 10 years, 
What do you think, Mark? What do you say? Uh, I like this game plan. Otherwise, he's going to have a uh, <laughs> a big fat RMD. Yeah. And so maybe what I would also say is that, you know, you are, you've got $110,000, right? The tax bracket that you're in is probably, your highest bracket is 24%. Okay. And he probably, he probably doesn't have much income at 24% because he does get some deductions. I would convert more than 50 grand, by the way, on the, it is, as long as you stay in the 24% tax bracket. And I would do that until your age 70 social security payment kicks in. Then, you know, you can lower it and adjust for wherever brackets are at the time. Remember one thing, Dell, if you get to age 70 and a half and you still are like, oh my God, I still have so much money in these retirement accounts, you can consider a qualified charitable distribution also, another way to get money out of that pre-tax account. So that's another idea to consider. This last question is from Jim, who writes, Hi, Jill. I'm 66 years old. Oh, my God. He's got a 401k with $2.8 million in it. That's a big number. Lives in New York. And he says, I've begun taking 401k distributions this year. And he says, I realize I'm way behind the curve to avoid tax bracket jump at required minimum distribution age, just like our previous question. Would it make sense to suspend Social Security and add an equivalent dollar value to my annual distribution from my 401k? Oh, I wonder when he started taking Social Security, Mark. So a couple of things to consider. If you're still within the first year that you claimed retirement benefits through the Social Security system, you may be able to repay everything and say like, oops, shouldn't have done that. And then I would just wait till you were 70 to get your Social Security. And I would uh, make sure that you start pulling money out of your retirement account. And that's it. Live. Okay. Live on that money. And then wait to claim Social Security until you are 70, essentially. Now, if you're going to tell me you've got a lot of other things going on and you're married and you're supporting three uh, adult children, there may be other things we have to consider. But if it's more than a year, I don't know if this makes sense for you. If you're stuck in traffic if you're waiting in an airport, if your train is late and your mind is wandering, it may be wandering into your financial issues. Don't let it stay there. Don't let it ruin your vacation. Go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button and let us know if you want to come on the air and talk about anything that's going on. It really can be anything. We would be very much appreciative if you got that out of your system, put it on us, and then we can put it to bed once and for all. So much easier. So do that. JillOnMoney.com, contact us button. Don't forget, all of our content lives on that website, JillOnMoney.com. Could you leave us a rating and review on Apple? Mark says it still makes a difference. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 